words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. which is the center of the state, um, up until 94. And then I began moving east by way of Chattanooga because of the job, and then I have lived in Knoxville for the last three and a half years. So your job uh, brought you to Knoxville? Yes. Okay. Let me get comfortable here. Oh, now, very good. So uh, what do you do? Uh, what do you, how do you make a living? Uh, I run a cafe here in Knoxville at the city county building. You own a cafe? Well, actually, it's under the Randolph Shepherd Act, but yes, I'm uh -huh. the manager. I pay the, the bills and the labor and the insurance and so, everything in between. And you are totally blind? Um, I have about, I think it's called light perception. It's not even measurable. 
so so just you're almost totally blind just yeah practically. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. so you must i would think have someone there that you have a lot of faith or trust in because that would be a hard thing to do if you didn't yes uh, i have good employees but i have a lady who has worked for me well all but one month since i have been in knoxville uh-huh. and she and I have a great deal of respect for each other, and she is my kitchen manager. So I go through her with things, and they have to go through her. And uh, yeah, she um, she's a real asset to me. And but you you handle the money yourself. Yes. In other words, you're at the cash register, mm-hmm. and you have a talking cash register. Yes. That will tell you, uh, and you have a bill identifier, I suppose. Yes. Uh, so you just stand up and take the money, right? What I take it, it in, yes. What and I have deal. customers who say, you have money in every pocket. You're always counting money. So yeah. anyway, it's just a big um, joke about me and the money. And I said, just yeah. come on over here. I need your money. Let's get it. So, But you don't do supper. You do breakfast and lunch? We do breakfast and lunch, yes. And um, uh, you're the only blind person there. Yes, in that building. Uh, and you serve a full breakfast menu, bacon, eggs, sausage? Bacon, eggs, sausage, hash browns, uh, gravy, biscuits. Grits? No. Nope. I don't like the way grits smell. So you just don't cook them because you don't like the way they smell? Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I call uh, wrong. Huh? <laughs> I love grits. Well... Don't come uh, to your I used to have a friend who said, well, she doesn't like it. She's not going to sell it. I said, yep. that's pretty much it. Well, I guess if you own the cafe, that is your that is your prerogative. No, uh, there's not a lot of requests for grits, but um, they like yep. the gravy and biscuit. And then we do a lot of biscuits every morning with uh, steak, chicken, bacon, and go ahead and make those up and wrap them so they're ready to pull out of the warmer. So uh, they can be sold for as a, as a lunch or used. Uh, no, they're so they're they're for breakfast. But oh, okay. People can just walk in, open up the door, grab their biscuit, fix their coffee, and just keep walking. Yeah, so so it, as fast as a drive-in would be, as a McDonald's would be, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and you were trained by this Commission for the Blind in Tennessee to do this, or what? Uh, blind services, yes. Blind services. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to your childhood. Where were you born? And and uh, tell us about your your young years before school, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, well, I was born in rural Rutherford County. Um, Rutherford County is right next to Davidson County, which is where Nashville is. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right, uh huh. And I'm the fifth child and the first girl. Uh-huh. And needless to say, uh, a little girl with a bunch of brothers is going to be busy. <laughs> I have a younger sister, but she came along afterwards. And I had perfect vision um, until I was in late second grade. I had spinal meningitis, and as a result of that, lost my vision. I lost 96% at one time. Mm. 
you were in the second grade when this yes, happened. Uh -huh. So you remember it. Oh, yeah. You remember being able to see. Oh, yeah. So you have a concept of what the color red looks like and blue and mm -hmm. and uh, as opposed to uh, as opposed to us who were born like this, I have no they tell me about colors, but they don't mean anything to me. Right. You know? Well, actually, up until the last color, couple of years, I had very good color perception still. But now things just kind of, sometimes it's usable and sometimes it isn't. Yeah. But, uh, no, I was, I just read everything in sight, and I don't think that I was really a bright child. It was just that when you have a lot of, Stimulation, and you're trying to do what your brothers are doing, mm -hmm. then you just really take off. And we didn't have TV, so you have to stimulate yourself with something, you know. Yeah. So you read a lot as a, as a, even as a small child. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so um, with the meningitis, you know, there was paralysis and fear of a lot of other things, but uh, the vision really didn't shut down until, I mean, permanently until. I guess a couple of months after I was out of the hospital and I was actually reading, mm -hmm. sitting in my dad's lap reading because my brother would bring home about six books every night. Of course, children's books are small, sure. but um, I just read and um, years ago, light bulbs didn't just shoot. They would go, when they went out, it was more or less like a gradual look yellow. Uh-huh. And just get very dim, and I was sitting there, and I looked up, and I said, "Oh, the light bulb's about to go out," and I can remember his grip on me because he knew what was happening, and the light bulb hadn't gone out; it was just fine. Wonder why that would happen after the after you got out of the hospital? Well, the doctor explained it. I was very lucky to have a very young doctor who. Um, was determined that I was not going to die on him, yeah. and <laughs> well, and he explained everything. Well, he had to look up so much stuff because this was not anything he had experienced before. Uh -huh. And what was occurring? Of course, they did all sorts of X-rays trying to find out. But what had happened is there was inflammation around the optic nerve, and so as I got better physically. This uh, ulceration or inflammation around the optic nerve was uh, diminishing, and as a result, it cut off the uh, blood to the optic nerve. So that's why it was a delayed thing. And so, at uh, you you faced this at an at, at an at an early age. That's I I can't I mean I can't imagine the. If, especially if you, since you were a reader, because that, that cut you off. I mean that ended exactly. That. Mm -hmm. That ended that. Well, um... So I went on to public school for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and the fourth, in the fourth grade, I essentially just sat in the public school classroom because in the third grade, I had a new teacher who had children my age and got large print books for me, some of which I could read because the print was very dark, and some large print is very scattered, um, meaning it's just not... A strong print. Yeah. So I couldn't read that, but because I did read, I probably strained my eyes. So imagine, well, yeah. So um, we had heard of the school for the blind, but we thought we, my family, thought um, 
that that's exactly what it meant. You had to be totally blind in order to go to the school. So anyway, um, after seeing this specialist in that one, my mom asked this particular specialist about the school, and he told her he thought that was the very best idea and they needed to stop wasting their money and time uh, on um, hunting for something because the damage was permanent. And it wasn't going to get any better. No, it wasn't going to get any better. Yeah. And he was very, very um, compassionate type man whom we really liked. And so he made the contact with the school. And they came to see me, and I started there in fifth grade. And all I could think of was I wanted to be able to read again. So I started, I didn't, for some reason, they let me come home every weekend. My dad would drive about 55, 60 miles one way on Friday in his old truck and get me and bring me back on Sunday. So the first weekend, I cried all weekend because I was homesick and hadn't learned how to read. So on Sunday when they took me back, they went to the superintendent's office, and on Monday morning, the superintendent and the Braille teacher were in the class room doorway at 8 o'clock to get me for Braille. <laughs> to get you started on Braille. Yes. Yeah. And I just, it was just like I was a sponge. Yeah. So. So you took to Braille. Because you wanted to be able to read again, and that exactly. gave you the ability to be able to read again. Right. Well, that's great. Uh, but the, and, and where is that? What city is the blind school in Tennessee in? It's in Donaldson, which is in right outside of Nashville. So your father drove uh, 100 miles, 200 miles, uh, a round trip every weekend. Well, it was more like about 120. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so he'd take you, he'd come and get you, and then y'all would go home, and then he'd take you back, and he'd. Well, yeah, come. it was a round trip. Sure, yeah, it was. You're exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was a round trip, but that's that is so much better than you having to stay there full time. Yeah. At least you had uh, some re- interaction with your brothers that yeah. you'd been used to, that you'd grown up with, and it didn't, you know, that's that's just a good. So you uh, you you started learning Braille, and it didn't take you long. No, by Christmas, my fifth grade teacher was, she was just very definite that I had to stay the whole year because normally if you came in that late and started Braille, you were resistant to it. But I had it by Christmas. I had it all the way. Writing with Slate and Styles and <laughs> the Brailler and the grade two. So my teacher was also a piano teacher. And I just thought this was the most wonderful thing in the world to be able to learn piano. So she would send me, she would make me come to Braille class, but she would send me to the practice room, and she had taught me Braille music. So um, I got all of the best, all of the best that year. Yeah, you were about 11 years old, 11 or 12 years old. Mm -hmm. You were 10 years old, Uh and you caught up to Braille quick enough to stay in the class with the other fifth graders that had been at the school for the blind since uh, day one. Well, not really. Um, I did pass, but the teacher was very good in that she put me with two girls in that class that were 
Well, we call them high partials. They read Braille, but they also could read large print, and they were very bright. And so she immediately put me with them and told them for them to read me my lessons and make sure that I was able to do my homework. And so that's what I did. I really was um, not, I really didn't catch up until probably the latter part of the eighth grade, and then I was competitive with anyone in the class. But um, it took a while to catch up. All right, I tell you what, let's do. Let's take our first little break here and okay. come back, and we'll get you into middle school and high school and see how you did there. Guest is Susie Barnes back with more of our Blind Like Me show in just a minute. The National Federation of the Blind held a Job Opportunities for the Blind, or Job Seminar, in conjunction with the 24th Annual Convention of the National Federation of the Blind of Maryland in Annapolis. This seminar was directed towards both blind applicants and prospective employers. Speakers talked about conducting job searches, working for a blind supervisor, reasonable accommodations, the blind, and technology. Many blind people described their professions, which ranged from secretarial work to engineering to molecular biology. Employers, being part of the general public, must come to understand that blindness is simply a characteristic and that it can be reduced to the level of a mere physical nuisance, limiting us only to that extent, no more and no less. Once people understand this simple truth, blind people will finally free themselves from the bonds of discrimination and prejudice. The blind in America have changed what it means to be blind through a vehicle of collective action. You should take every opportunity you can to tell others about our philosophy and spread the word. On the Blind Side, I'm Mark Christie. On the Blind Side, celebrating the contribution of blind people to societal evolution. Our guest is Susie Barnes from Knoxville, Tennessee, 
And uh, we have her through uh, getting through, uh, I guess uh, this was sixth grade, and doing well in sixth grade, learning Braille. And it's time for what we call now middle school or junior high. So did you, did they, they had to, of course, the junior high was at the same place since you were now at school for the blind in Tennessee. It was at the same place, but when you were in seventh grade, your classes were upstairs. So oh, okay. you were upstairs with all the big folks oh. and put your books in the libraries like everyone else does. Um, no, we and you change classes after every class. Um, yeah, you walk from room to room instead of staying in the same yeah, the same room. Uh -huh. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was different. Yeah, it was. That was different. None of the kids. I, I don't suppose we we never did use a cane or a dog or anything. We just went. No, they didn't start teaching <laughs> cane travel until the fall after I graduated. I was always one year too late for everything. For everything. Yeah. Day late and a dollar short for everything. Yes, it seems that way. Oh, now come on, you're doing fine. But you, the uh, the kids at the you're at the blind school just walked around. You went from class to class, and you had math, and you had science, and you had history, and all those things. Uh, how and did you typing. and typing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I had realized how important typing was going to be. Typing was required in seventh grade, um, and I took typing at the same time. My next brother was, well, the youngest of the boys, was taking typing in his junior year. So it uh -huh. was fun to compare our progress. Yeah, see if you could type as well as your older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and, but you had completely mastered Braille by then. You were reading library books. Yes. Uh, real, real books then. So they, real so you, books, yes. So you had that back. Mm -hmm. That void in your life uh, yeah. was returned, which is, 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 you'll never hear me knock Braille again. That's a great story. <laughs> uh, I guess you, do you and, and so how did you do in, 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 as a student in school? Did you make good grades? Or? Yes, I made pretty good grades. Uh, when I got to high school, then it was fun because there was a guy in my class. He and I had actually started in the beginning fifth grade in the fall and he came fifth in the spring uh -huh. and he and I were always competitive but he was very bright so if I could teach outdo him on anything it was wonderful that was that was wonderful oh yes and he still calls me on my birthday now what sort of uh what was that I don't know. Oh, I see. That's my friend's cell phone that's laying on my dining room table, ringing away. What uh, what sort of social life did they let you blind children have at that blind school in Tennessee? Did they, they have dances? Did they have... Uh... Well, we learned to dance in fifth grade, in gym class. We danced on Friday. The boys' gym class and the girls' gym class danced. So I learned to dance at a very early age. Our social life wasn't real big except for just the... Occasional dances, and the more I got to dating age, the less we had. I wasn't the cause of that, but <laughs> you, you what now? You I was not the cause of that. No, you weren't the cause of that. Mm -mm, but no. anyway, they they cut back on social activities at the school. Yeah, a little bit. Why? Well, they used to have dating on Sunday afternoon, and I think at some point in time. A class or so ahead of me had kind of 
<sighs> maybe one of the boys and girls slipped off together and uh, maybe reckoned. Probably. I don't know. That, could, that happens yeah. with boys and girls, as yeah, we well know. We all have kids, and we know it'll happen if they're yes. not careful. And we were kids. Yes, right. Back a long time ago. But, uh, so, but they... they well, uh, we had dancers, and I was very active in bands. That was my... Some people are very good in sports and some in, you know, different things, but mine was... Band. That was my bailiwick. Well, what did you play in band? I played clarinet. You played clarinet, and you you were you were good at it. Well, I got better at it. I had a band director who kind of uh, taught me how the right way to breathe and uh-huh. encouraged me. And actually, my junior and senior year, um, I uh, auditioned and played in the all-state band. In the in the Tennessee All State Band. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh well, then you were good because it takes. Yeah, uh, everybody that auditions doesn't get in the All State Band. I know yeah. that because I just finished doing some kids from Angelina College here in my little recording studio for the All State Band, and they were all three pretty good. And all three of them said, "I don't think I'll make it." You know, mm-hmm. so you really got to be good. Well, I really liked it, and it was it was just incredible when we first started playing because. I was sitting there with my mouth open and my clarinet, of course, in my mouth. And the fellow sitting next to me, he punched me. He said, is everything all right? And I said, this sound, because I was playing with the best who had auditioned in the state. And I said, I'm accustomed to playing with 27 people. And most of them's feet don't touch the floor. (laughs) And so you got to go... Uh, but the, the School for the Blind obviously thought you were good enough, so they let you go audition for the All-State Band. Yeah, we had a new band director, uh, another new band director, and she was very, well, had new ideas, and because of that, opened some doors for us. Maybe a little more liberal than uh, than, than her predecessor. Well, we had one um, fellow who, who I began uh, under, I think he had worked there 27 years, and then when he retired, we had uh, two young band directors. One stayed two years, and the next one came and stayed, I guess, a couple of years. And they both had uh, more liberal ideas and encouragement and knew what was out there that we were capable of doing. Yeah. So So that helped. So you got to go a lot of places that the other kids didn't get to go, didn't you? Well, with Allstate Band, it was really just a one-shot. You know, you just got together for a weekend, and you practiced together and that sort of thing, and then you gave your performance. But, yes, with the band, we went, even our own band, we went a lot of places. You talk about the, the Blind School Band? Yeah, we went, went a lot of places. places. We were pretty good. Yeah. Did you uh, did you uh, did you have to read or did you have to memorize or could you ad lib? Uh, you, you had to memorize your music. Yeah. You never got to the point that you could just pick up a clarinet and play a melody. Oh yeah, I could do that. Really? So far, oh yeah. I play piano by ear now. Oh, do you? Just for my own enjoyment or anyone else's um, discomfort, I suppose. But um, no. Uh, I played clarinet a lot by ear because I practiced so much, um, particularly my senior year. Yeah, but the, the popular songs on the radio, could you play? Did you did you learn any of them? Any of them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
so uh, so band was your thing. Mm-hmm. You played piano. I guess you also played piano in high school. Um, actually, I quit taking lessons. I guess at the end of my sophomore year because I could see the writing on the wall. I was going to have to learn classical music. Uh-huh. And when you took piano, you had to go to, now I'm saying having to, because I was not a night person. And so we would have to go to these classical concerts in symphony. So by the time they got cranked up, it was time for me to be in my jammies. <laughs> <laughs> even I, at, even at that young age, you were you liked to go to bed early. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm I'm much better at it now, but yeah, that didn't encourage me at all. Well, this guy told me one time. He said, "Phil, I go to bed kind of early. I go to bed to, at the with the late news at uh, after six o'clock. The late news at six, I go to bed." And I said, "No, the late news is at ten. He said, "Oh, you mean they have one then too?" You know? <laughs> We're so far back in the woods, we don't get the 6 o'clock news till 7.15. Well, see, right. uh, back in Middle Tennessee, we're on Eastern time. Yep. So there are a lot of folks who do not go to bed until after the 10 o'clock news. Yeah. And we had a convention in Knoxville once, and there were some folks there, of course, from Memphis and Nashville. Well, they were very upset because, yep. of course, the news didn't come on until 11 o'clock. And yeah. they didn't go to bed until it was after it was over, and then after it was over, they realized how light it was, and they were just they couldn't enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> but you uh, you still you still go to bed quite early. Yeah, pretty early. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tell you what, my someone just rang my doorbell. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pause the tape okay. and stop my watch, and I'll be just hang on. I'll be right back. Good enough. Yeah, I think we're, let me start my watch again now. I think we're about ready to go to college, but before, uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and go to college now. We're at about 25 minutes. Let's, let's, uh, how many colleges did you go to and what did you study and tell us all about it? Well, I stayed in Rutherford County. I went to school at MTSU, um, in Murfreesboro. And actually, I majored in sociology, which required no math because I really didn't understand how in the world I could work math with no Braille math book uh-huh. because I wore the examples out in my math book. But I went there and um, stayed at home my first year. I thought it would be wonderful to stay at home and go to school. Well, that didn't work out too well. Why? Well, just because I was not, I was distracted. Uh, I wasn't accustomed to being able to walk by where Mom and Daddy were watching TV. I was accustomed to being in a room where, you know, things were quiet. It was just sort of a routine. If you have lived in a dormitory for eight years, uh, that routine is a little hard to break. So I... um, And you're saying it was noisier at home or quieter at home or it was... There was just not the space at home that there was at school where you could find a niche and get off quiet by yeah, yourself. I mean, we lived in a small house. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then if I had to have something read, I'd need to go and get one of them uh, to read things for me, which was fun. And they did it. Yeah. Uh, and lovingly did it, but this was not stuff they were accustomed to doing it. And so I moved in 
to the dormitory, and of course I was accustomed to being where everything was happening instead of away from. Uh It was sort of like when I was in school. The kids who were day students were, to us, were kind of outsiders. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I felt like was an outsider, I guess, on campus. But you you had how did how did you do math in high school? I mean, what? Well, we had braille books. You had braille books, yeah. and you but you a math problem. If you I were, had um, enough vision, well, I got some glasses too. And as the math teacher says, your daddy buys your paper, so I, it might take a whole page of paper for me to do one math problem. And I'd write real big with a a dark point. Pencil. Okay. Yeah, so I did it in print. So you had enough vision still then to do um, math problems to write them. But like you said, it may take a whole piece of paper, but who cared? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking you were writing them in Braille. We discussed that with a guy the other day. In fact, we discussed that with a, this friend of ours named Kent Cullors, who's a physicist, mm-hmm. who did math problems in Braille. And he said oh, it was well, just, I have done them in Braille. He said it was just horrible because there's no, if you make a mistake... You're screwed. There's no way to go back. There's no. You can't do anything. Right. Well, um, there were two two of us that were blind on campus, and this was, one of them was the guy I had spoken about us going to school at TSB the same year. Yeah. And we were very competitive. Wait a minute. TSB. Yes, Tennessee School for the Blind. That's what we call the Texas School for the Blind. TSB. That's amazing. And we used to wrestle your team. You did. Yes. Is that right? You surely did. We would come to y'all or y'all would come to us. Exactly. So they were both TSBs. You're right. Mm-hmm. But they never brought the girls. Well, the cheerleaders came. They did? Yeah, but I never did make the cheerleading squad. You didn't make the cheerleading squad. I tried, well, but I didn't make it. I left in, uh, in uh, what, what, when were you in school? I graduated in 65. Um, well, I was long gone. I left in 58, mm-hmm. so I'm profoundly old. <laughs> No, you're not I'm pretty old, but that uh, I so I would have. Yeah, I, I don't remember that, but I suppose uh, I suppose they did. We did have a wrestling team, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a good wrestling team, but ours was better. Supposedly, supposedly a pretty good, but I don't know whose was better. But I I, I no, never we, did. Well, I'm sure yours was good, but we did have a good wrestling team. I was uh, I was interested in radio and music. And that's all I cared about. I didn't pay attention to anything else. Mm-hmm. But I did figure out a way to make a living with both of them. Exactly. So you did uh, you did college and you got that degree in four years or what? Yeah, four years and one. I went one summer, so I did it in nine semesters. Because at that time, we didn't have a choice. There was no such thing as doing 12 hours. You had, which is what uh, many kids go on today. So, no, I did it and um, started in the fall of 65 and finished in May, uh, four years later, whatever that is. Well, 69, yeah. Yeah. 70, 69. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got, your, got your diploma, walked across the stage. Walked across the stage. Uh, with a degree in, what do you say, sociology? Mm-hmm. And what can one do with a degree with so- so- sociology? Well, that's kind I of what I thought. I put it under my arm, and I walked all over. I thought that was going to be the key to everything. So um, the lady who had actually helped me fill out my schedule before I started to college, met a um, man on the street who was uh, super, 
uh, director of um, vocational education and basic, adult basic education, and she saw him on the street. She was talking, and she said, when are you going to hire Susan Barnes? And he said, well, who is Susan Barnes? And she said, well, she just got her diploma from MTSU, and they yati, 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 and yep. then all at once she said, and by the way, she's blood. Yeah. But anyway, he called me. His secretary wanted to be home with her children. So rather than quitting, she talked. he talked her into working mornings, and I began work in July as a an afternoon secretary. Half day, half day every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And taught. And my typing was much better when I came out of high school than it was after I came out of college. And I taught a class for blind adults, an adult uh-huh. ed class. They had just recently uh, received um, government grants for doing this, and um, someone in Nashville conducted a training program for this, and so I spent two grueling weeks learning um, real quickly uh, what to do in teaching a blind adult. So. We got a lot of stuff, and I started teaching, and then um, in the spring, my counselor would come to buy to see me every once in a while, and I had an opening as a rehab teacher, and I applied for that and, and got that job, and so I did that for five years. So that ended your secretarial career? Yes. Uh-huh. That was just a stepping stone yep. for me to get some work experience. Job experience. Yes. So you were a rehab teacher in what did you like what sorts of things did you teach? Well when you're a rehab teacher you teach a little bit of any and everything and not much of anything now, at but, that time because we I was on the road. I had thirteen counties. Uh-huh. And you had folks from the crib to the coffin. So you had the whole gamut. So you were more or less a resource person, um, getting them library service, okay. threading needles, sewing on buttons, timers, watches, walking down steps with a cane to the mailbox. Just a little of easy. Oh, so, so basic living skills is kind basic of basic. Basic living skills. Okay. Uh-huh. Did you, and did I you, taught some braille. Did you teach any cooking? Yes. Not a little cooking. So you were, you were. There was another name for that. You Black were. Jack of all trades and specialty and none. I think. Home, uh, home, home. Uh, they were called home teachers. Home teachers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so they they furnished you a driver. No. You had to find your own driver. Mm-hmm. And but they they gave you an allowance to pay for it. Nine cents a mile. Nine cents a mile. Well, I, I don't know. That was a long time ago, so that might have... It was a long time ago, but you still had to take the additional amount out of your pocket. But you had to find a driver with a car, hopefully a dependable car, mm-hmm. someone who was willing to use their car mm-hmm. to make nine cents a mile. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is tough. And you did that for five years. Mm-hmm. And I had many drivers. Many, I, I bet. I know somebody who did the same thing and had several <laughs> drivers. Let's uh, let's just do a little short break and we'll get back. I want to talk a little more about your your uh, setup now, your cafe. Back with more fun like me in just a minute.
a website our crack research team certifies screen reader friendly. Now with this week's Blind Sight, here's Don Shaw. If you're kind of surfing around on the internet kind of looking for something to do, go and visit a, a website I found out about. It's called Blind World. They say the blindness-related magazine for the blind and visually impaired. Sounds good anyway, doesn't it? Anyway, surf on over and check them out. They have a lot of good uh, blindness uh, news stories. Uh, oh, I don't know, different things like guide dog stories. Sometimes when a visually impaired person uh, they makes the newspaper write-up or, or some kind of news story, something like that would be on there, they do group their stories into categories. So go and take a look at them and see if you find a category you'd like to, to, to read uh, some stories that may be of interest in that category. The website URL, if you want to go and take a look, is www.home.earthlink.net slash blind world. I would definitely have to give them a screen reader friendliness rating of a 10. Until next time, I'm Don Shaw. Keep on blind sighting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sights. and you're teaching, you were a home uh, home teacher in that you taught uh, all sorts of skills, I guess how to how to do everything from opening jars to uh, boiling soup and and uh, like you said, walking to the mailbox with a with a cane because you had you had uh, people that maybe people who had recently lost their eyesight who knew nothing about this world that we know so well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you did that for five years and had many drivers. <laughs> Yes, I had one that uh, we had paid for a little car, and um, so I had, and it was a little Volkswagen with stick shift. So I asked him, could he drive a stick shift? Well, he could, and we took off to Dixon one day from the house. Yeah. And we had driven and driven and driven, and finally he said, well, that sign says Cookville. We had driven in the opposite direction. We were going east instead of west. And I said, that's Cookville. That's the wrong direction. He said, oh, what do you want me to do? And I said, let's turn this car around and head to Murfreesboro. He said, you mean you don't want to go to Dixon? I said, no, I don't think so. So we went back to Murfreesboro, and he parked the car, and he said, do you want me to come tomorrow? And I said, no, I don't think so. 
So that, that was, was the end. Of, he was a one-day deal. That was the only time I had a one-day driver. He was driver. a one-day driver. Mm-hmm. Now, you said we bought a car, as in you bought a car. Well, I was married for many, many years. Oh, really? So, yeah, I actually bought the car, but... Um, well, you, by we, you meant you and your husband? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and that was one, there's one-day driver mm-hmm. driving in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. but you didn't pick up on that. Well, I knew that we were taking an awful long time. There was more than one way to go. I normally went um, down through another direction, but he wanted to go through Nashville because he knew that way. So by going to Nashville, we could have driven and driven and driven, but he took, instead of going west where uh-huh. he forked, he went east. He went east. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the biggest. My wife and I don't argue about this. It's gotten out of where it's a joke because I I know Texas real well. I know how to get anywhere I want to get in go in uh-huh. Texas, and so we we discuss. My wife is a let's get on the super highway and go 80 miles an hour, and by God, go fast. Even if it's 50 miles longer, we go faster. Uh-huh. I am let's get on the country road and puddle along at 45, and I'll be real happy with that. So mm-hmm. uh, our biggest, one of our biggest discussions every time we go is how are we going to go uh, uh, different places? And, and people are, are just amazed. Well, if he's blind, how does he know where, you know, how does he know anything? Right. I, I, you, know, you know how right. it is. Okay, so you finished that job, and uh, you, they, you... Well, I became pregnant. That's mm. why I quit that job. And so I left thinking I had a month, and actually in a week I gave birth to twins. Really? Yes. You're totally blind, and you had twins. Mm-hmm. My, my, my. Could the twins, can the twins see? Yes. Both uh, of them see perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. And there you were, totally blind mother with twin children. Mm-hmm. Susie, that's a pretty tall order. That's I know. A, uh, that's a pretty big deal. My brother, Otis One, he said, must you grandstand everything that you do? But um, we have managed, and when they became 21, I told them, I said, you know, I really didn't think we would ever see this day because I didn't think one of us would live to see this. But now that you have, find a place of your own to live, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> twin, twin, uh, twin uh, girls. I have a girl and a boy. Had a girl and a boy. Mm-hmm. And not only, well, you know, you got no sleep now for the first six or eight months, did you? None. Uh, well, not a lot, but well, you, yeah, I got some. You did have a husband. I guess he helped some. I had a husband, and he helped with baths and bottles. Could he see? Yeah, he saw perfectly. He, he saw perfectly. So he could drive the car. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, that was a definite advantage. Uh, yeah, but he was only there... If nobody else would do it. So, but yeah, um, but I was the one who took care of everything during the day. And if I went to the doctor, then I learned real quick how to suck them up and get yep. in a cab and go to the doctor. And take them to the doctor. Mm hmm. Well, that was a tough assignment, but it was yours to do, and so you did it. Exactly. I did it. And they were, they are both grown, grown now, I suppose, and. Yes. And, um, how did they fare? Did they did they do all right? They fared fine. They they. Uh, I practically stood on my head and all that kind of stuff. I stayed home the first eleven years, um, and then went back to work. 
Yeah. But, um, no, they did fine, and they both did extremely well in school. But I think um, I couldn't stand the idea for them to be behind because their mom was blind. Oh, so yeah. I think I did double duty, maybe. Well, you probably did, but uh, you probably, I mean, that's that's good that you did. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. They, they, uh, they probably appreciate that now, but that that's a tall order for for, for a sighted lady, much less a totally blind know, lady. I know. But you you made it through. Then you went back to work, and and um, how did you end up in the cafe business? What? Uh... Well, I worked six and a half years at a rehab center in Smyrna, the state rehab center, uh-huh. and I was teaching a lot of folks who went in to the vending program. And we stayed in contact, and they would call back and let me know how they were doing, and they'd say, you know, you really need to do this. You would really love this, because after about four years, I was already burned out anyway. And tired, tired of teaching, tired of... Yeah, yeah, because they started closing the mental hospitals and stuff, and if they were blind, we got some of them, and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I liked working with bright folks who had lost their vision or normal intelligence and up. And that wasn't what I was getting. And um, so anyway, um, my kids were graduating from high school, and um, I took the training and went into the vending program, and that's where I am now. And ended up, uh, is this this the first one you had, the first? uh... No. Attempt two locations, one in Nashville and two in Murfreesboro, actually on the MTSU campus, mm-hmm. until they were bid out. And then I didn't have a job, and that's how I ended up in Chattanooga. I had interviewed for some jobs in Nashville, but, you know, when three people are interviewing, there's only one job. Yeah. And so two people are not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a location in Chattanooga that had been without a permanent blind vendor for a long while and I took it and really intending to only stay six months and my mom died uh, ten days before I got my six months in so I decided just to stay and my kids were in college at that point mm-hmm. and staying on campus so I stayed and um, I was at the right place at the right time because they began uh, filling up that building, uh, a large insurance company subleased nine floors, and I made some money during that time. But then they bought their own building, and they moved out. Oh, yeah. So then I needed to sign somewhere else, and that's how I ended up in Knoxville. Uh, now, are you in a federal building? No, I'm in a state and city. State and county, I mean city-county building. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand Randolph Shepard. Randolph Shepard says that that all federal buildings have to explain it to me. Well, it's a little hard to understand because, yeah, it does say federal, but they're not in any of the VA buildings, VA hospitals, because VA has figured out a way to circumvent that. Why would they want to? Well, because they want the money, and they have their own folks in there. Looks like they put a blind veteran in there. Well, I don't know. You'll have to talk. Well, 
Well, no, I won't. I won't. But uh, but uh, but it, it I looks, don't know. But you now we have uh, priority in municipal, city county municipal buildings as well. So mm-hmm. they have come a long way in going after private as well as your other um, uh, government type buildings. They don't just stack up for the federal or the state yeah. anymore. They go for for other things. And this is this is city and county where I am. So it's like a kind of an almost a minor affirmative action for blind people when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which doesn't hurt a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of those stands make some money, and and uh, some of them make some pretty good money. But you know, some like, of them do. So some of them don't. You know, there have to be some. To I reckon to get the average, it's kind of like um, blind bowlers. Yep. You have to have somebody on there with that has the handicap. Yeah. So I think I've got the handicap. There's a, a lady and I. We've decided that we're the ones that have the handicap for them. You think you have the? We do the <laughs> average for them. You think you have the handicap stand? <laughs> now, Susie, it's not that bad. No, is it? no. Uh, I mean, there are some that just yeah. make big bucks. Oh yeah, I, I so, know some. You know, when you yeah. uh, have a great deal of labor in, involved in some other things, in some places you can. Um, you could put a lot bigger prices than other places. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I have a lot of folks who come in for court and trials and all that sort of thing. So You're in the federal court building? No. Um, in the city-county building, you okay. have uh, your criminal court okay. sessions, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. My wife's an attorney. I know. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, so, so you get... Um, so I was, my next, I was going to ask you, do you know most of the customers? Well, you may know some of them, but a lot of them you don't, because a lot of them are people coming to court. Yeah, but a lot of them are repeat people. I guess that's true. That's um, now, you you don't have a you don't wait to take you don't uh, you don't go table to table. No, you uh-uh. no, they go through the the line and they order there, and then they come on around and pay for it. But we do have uh, replace seats uh, forty. Has windows around. We have a view of the river. Mm-hmm. They, they they come and pay, and then they're assigned a number. No, they uh, no, they're we're not that not that up to date. I guess it isn't that really that big, is it? No, it isn't. Okay, no. so so it, it, they could see when their order's ready, right. or they can mm-hmm. they can because it didn't it isn't really that big. No, it isn't. Okay, so you have uh, this lady that manages your kitchen. Mm-hmm. We have you, and then she has how much help in there? Actually, there are four more employees. They're including her. Mm-hmm. And so the kitchen manager, three more, and you. No, there's four more okay. included. Okay. Besides her. Kitchen manager, four more, and then you. So there's about six people work mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Now there's someone there that uh, that's on the line that stands there and and they say I want that you they actually give the order to. Mm-hmm. So that that's not you. No. That's that's someone else. I'm on. I'm on the other end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you hear the, the, them doing that? Pretty much. Yeah. Unless there's a lot of them standing in there and yeah. talking really, really loud. Uh, yeah, I can kind of hear it. So do you have a permanent person who who fills that position for you? Because uh, that would be pretty critical. primarily does it, but yeah. they're all working at stuff while they're taking orders and working it. Okay. So, so I don't have one person that just takes the orders and yells them back. Okay. So the yeah. the, the kitchen is open. Can they see the public? Well, seated? my kitchen is about a four foot wide thing, 
So back in the back of the kitchen where they're actually doing everything is out at the grill. Uh-huh. The the kitchen, she preps things back there for lunch and the oven, and that's back where the sink is. And the okay, but you can't dishes. see that, but you can no, see uh, the grill. Yes. Well, that is that's pretty neat. Uh, I, I like that. I'd, I'd like to come there sometime. Maybe well, I'll you get come, to and I'll take you through the narrow thing. The biggest thing in that kitchen is the hot water heater, and I know <laughs> they had to have got the biggest hot water heater I've ever seen. Well, you got to have a big hot water heater. You wash a lot of dishes, don't you? We wash yeah. a good many, yeah. Uh, does the, this lady that you that you trust so much that, that that runs your kitchen for you, does she do the hiring for her help or do you? We do it together. Well, I talk to them, and she comes up, too, and she asks some questions. Yeah, and if she says no, it's a no. That's right. If she says, I don't want to hire this person, then you don't hire that person. No, I don't. Uh, that's that's wonderful to have someone you can trust. You, you, you couldn't do it without someone. Well, exactly, and if she can't work with them, it's not going to work. That's right. And people are so, especially at that level of job, they're so. They, I imagine your turnover is fairly good. Well, right now, yes. When people say, "I just can't believe this person," we just look at each other and start laughing and saying, "Oh, could we tell you things?" <laughs> but the ones I have now, um, all of them, yeah. except one, I've had over a year. Yeah. And the other one has been there probably about eight months, eight or nine months. So that's an absolute record for me. We're just about out of time. Did I see an article? Did you write an article for the Braille Forum or the Braille Monitor or Dialogue or something? Did I read about you in some magazine? Mm -mm. No? Wasn't you? No, but I was on Handyman. You were on Handyman. That's right. So that's where I know about you. Yeah, that's you were right. you were on Handyman. That's right. Well, I wondered. I thought I, I read so much, and and I I tell my wife all the time. I read this somewhere, but I don't know where you know where I got it. No, I'm the one that talked nonstop. No, I can tell you who that was, but I'm not. Uh, no, I love I'm, the, I'm it. No, you're not it. Well, we we got we had a couple we had a couple talks, but that's the whole point is to talk. If you don't talk, then it all you know there's nothing there. If you if somebody doesn't talk, see, I'm the one who had bought the condo and everything started happening. I remember. Yes. I remember now. Yes. I remember now. I had all these problems with the condo. Right. Well, I don't have time, or we'd get into that. Maybe we'll have you back on Andy Man. I appreciate it. We are uh, we are just about out of time. I don't know when I'll run this. It'll be probably sometime in January, but I'll call you for I do, Susie. Surely. Thank you much. Have a great holiday. I'll do that, and you do the same. Susie Thank Barnes you. has been our guest. Thank you much, Susie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, come and join us on the Blind Handyman Show. We'd love to have you. 634, not 634. It would be Phil Parr at TXU.com, TXU.com.net, Phil Parr at TXU.com.net, or Blind Handyman at TXU.com.net. We'll do the same thing. Join our handyman list. Uh, actually, this is Blind Like Me. I get so confused. I'm so old. It's Blind Like Me at TXU.com.net, and you can join that list also by Yahoo Groups, through Yahoo Groups. Anyway, come and join us on the the Blind Like Me show. We appreciate it very much. Come and be a guest. If you know somebody that can make a good guest, let us know. Thank you much. I'm Phil Park. We'll see you next week.
Okay, we'll try to get them right. This is blind like me, and the other one is blind. The blind handyman, and he's this is blind like me. And the other one, now this is blind like me, and the other one is the blind handyman. Remember that.